Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio, Sunday edition. Thanks to everybody who listened to my last episode, and if you haven't, you can go check it out on the podcast feed, wherever you're listening to this right now. Now, this time I want to talk about something that I came to notice over the past couple, the past couple shounen anime that I've watched, um, and... I've, for some inexplicable reason, mostly just because of the animation quality and because of the kind of freshness of characters like Himiko Toga and like, is because, and because of just the, the kind of fun world building aspect of My Hero Academia, I've kept up with My Hero Academia. And now I've also watched most of Eden Zero, which I will talk about at length, but it struck me that Shonen, that Shonen, like, battle, Shonen fight, whatever you want to call it, Shonen anime is starting to bump up against some limits that are difficult that are will be interesting to see how they move past and interestingly enough um i think the creative eden zero who's a pretty prolific guy um is named uh, mashima and i know that from the um new from the new um manga cafe app give me a second and i will um find it but um I, I, Azuki, if you haven't heard of Azuki yet, it's, um, one of the things kind of being helmed by Evan Mento of Anagamers and a bunch of other people. It's basically a manga rental service, kind of like Netflix, but for manga, it's five bucks a month. It's pretty full featured. It's got some, um, chapter issues, and when I say that, I mean... Got some issues where you don't the offering of of specific volume of specific um, properties doesn't start at issue one, but it's still a super full feature. The reader is great even on a phone, um, so I would check it out if you're interested at all in reading more manga. Or um, they have a huge deal with um, with I believe Kodansha going right now and so they've got a lot of Kodansha manga that is not super readily available other places like they have just I think up to 255 of air gear from chapter one so if you've ever been curious about Ograte or air gear you can definitely go find that there but what I want to talk about on this episode of Sunday edition is I want to talk about the I want to talk about the um, issues that it's bumping into, and I first kind of noticed this with um, shows with 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 Boruto specifically. Boruto bumps into the issue of having this huge ancestral catalog of like characters that older viewers will know, but younger view and younger viewers will probably still know because 
Naruto didn't end relatively all that long ago. And the as a result, that show lean Boruto as a show for a lot of it leans an awful lot on the cast of Naruto to make it interesting because in Naruto they had the unique situation of writing these characters like like characters who got to grow grow into the like the masters of the universe they they got to grow into the United States president kind of thing um and in Boruto you have the unique problem of those of most of those, of most if not all of those characters, being the children of the elite class of that of that society, they are the children who benefit from the struggles of their parents. You like Sadara is Sasuke and Sakura's daughter. Um, <laughs> the, Boruto is Naruto's son. Um, I forget the the Orochimaru stand-in weird snake clone child, um, but he is it's essentially Orochimaru's kid <laughs> being sent to school with them. But so that's the problem that show always had is that it always and from what I've seen, still sometimes has this habit of leaning on the old cast. Because the old cast is so popular still that the new cast kind of can't breathe. Even though they have great things, like they have great design choices. They're getting to spend way more time in places like the Hidden Mist that you didn't get to see in the original show. And so on and so forth. And then we jump to something like, say, My Hero. And My Hero is interesting. That's interesting because it has it has problems that it seems like it's willing to dive into and willing to explore, but then it also has problems that it's bringing up incidentally, and it's not super choosing to do much about at least right now. And um, so before we get there, I want to talk about um, a little bit about Eden Zero, something that I probably won't talk about in the uh, in the proper review episode. That I do actually plan on doing, on doing in it. Eden Zero's problem, at least in America, seems to be the the Mashima of it all. And what I mean by that is actually, let me just take a double check as to see if I'm actually pronouncing that name right. Um, but I think the um thing is Mashima. But um the issue, uh, yeah. My, Mashima is the um, Hiro Mashima is the uh, is the author, and the the two traits of Hiro Mashima's story are so actually the three traits of Hiro Mashima's story are, and I'll go over these actually again at the beginning of the um, full on review of Eden Zero. But once again, this is just a short thing in this like shonen problems um, Sunday edition that I wanted to do is Hiromashima uses a star system, which if you don't know what a star system is, it's not using the same characters every time. Sometimes you use the same characters, but more often than not, you end up using 
character designs over in different capacities. Um, so he uses a star system specifically. If you've seen Fairy Tale, Plue is actually from an earlier show called Rave Master. And in Fairy Tale, they introduced a character named Happy, a little flying cat thing. In Eden Zero, Plue is just like a stand in for a whole host of waiters in the show, which is very weird. And Happy is like this little robot cat that turns into guns. So first off is that. That is a trait of his that rewards you as the viewer. And also he reads character designs all over the place. Um, the Shiki, the main character, looks like looks slightly like a cross between Grey Fullbuster and um, um, Natsu. And um, the character design for Lucy is the like is kind of in the same position as um, Lucy is, but in the world of Eden Zero. As Lucy is in Fairy Tale, but in the world of Eden Zero, so to speak, and they also uh, Ezra Scarlet makes an appearance. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. That's what a star system basically is. It's using the character design of other characters in different ways in your future works. Um, the person who cut, who's kind of credited for making this, is um, the guy who wrote Astro Boy, who I can't believe um, Os Osama Tezuka. And he he is well known for using like blackjack blackjack character design in other places. Basically, any character he creates, he uses in future works. So that's the first thing, and that's not really a problem, but it is a nice little Easter egg if you've seen Hiromashima's stuff before. The next thing is. He usually creates these expansive cast systems of a cast, like like Fairy Tale. Rave Master was very similar. Eden Zero feels like it's very similar. There's all, already piles of side characters, and it's only and I'm only at episode nine. And granted, just but that brings me to the last problem. And the last problem is it. Hiromashima's work is usually really expansive and starts from and starts in a small place in a small part of the world of the of whatever world he's created and it expands and expands and expands and expands for hundreds of episodes um that's why fairy tale has like 19 seasons rave master is also not excruciatingly long but long and I, if Netflix is going to be releasing these at like eight to twelve episodes, at twelve episodes a pop, that's a long time, and it's breaking up that story in a way that I'm not sure it was designed to be broken up. And that's the first issue I want to get into with potential shonen things. Is much of good shonen of bef of the before times, much of the like generation that I grew up on, like Dragon Ball Z, Bleach, um, Naruto, uh, One Piece, relies on this nonstop march, 
type of um, broadcast of the show. So when you cut things into seasons, it feels different. It There's a reason that modern shonen oftentimes leads you in with a um, OVA episode, essentially. Like, My Hero Academia, never ever, the season never ever starts or ends with a serious episode. They wrap it all up in the middle parts. And the reason for that is because they need a way to introduce you, reintroduce you to the state of the world, all of the current, um, all of the current characters, and, like, um, what's it called? Get you caught up on the show so you can watch the show. A uh, big problem that people have been having with the new Ava movies, I actually just literally shotgunned them all over the past couple days, um, is they have been having to rewatch, you know, 1.11, 2.22, 3.33 before they get to the last movie because of the huge time gap in between this movie and 3.33. I totally get that. Those OVA episodes at the front and beginning of seasons are ways that they um, compromise and let you do that in the space of, like, say... 20 minutes and you they're relying on you the viewer to like get back into the flow of the show get back into the comedy stylings of the show the whole nine and even zero doesn't seem to have that and it, i wonder if shonen written in that old style will do well with the seasonal structure of things that happen now because once again, it relies on that uninterrupted, unbroken flow. I mean, you look at something like One Piece that has over 900 episodes now. It, there is one, maybe two, three places where that show could be broken into a season structure. It has an arc structure. And if you look at the like season numbering for that show, the arcs usually correspond to seasons almost. But there's a the time skip of that show where they all grow up and be, like go from in their mid to late teens to their mid to late twenties is probably the best place you could break that show and just like have a call it a season and come back for the next season. But One Piece isn't really thought of like that a lot. But what? So that's a, that's a first problem. And um, if you looked at Baruto, Baruto is one of the shows that is running in that non-seasonal, traditional shonen death march scenario. And it, it may have suffered for that because you don't have time. A, you don't have time away from the characters. B, you gotta have an episode every week. So there's gonna be filler no matter what you do and not in the way that they can space out filler like in um like like to separate to separate an arc in my hero or um a more modern shonen so that's one problem the second problem is since we have since when i when i was a child i thought of a child and now that i've become a man i i no longer think of the child and what i mean by that is 
The circumstances for good and evil have changed in the world. I, in when One Piece's um, Alabaster arc originally aired, it was thought of as pretty intelligent and pretty self-aware, and they made really clean-cut bad guys. You know, Crocodile was a really clean-cut bad guy. Later, because they had so much time, they got to turn up, they had so much time for that death march, they got to use Crocodile as not quite a good guy, but as like an anti-hero character in the Marine Ford arc, at least. But with My Hero, what My Hero seems to be ignoring, it seems to be ignoring the... I'm not saying that it's ignoring it because the, the text is very clearly aware that it's straight up putting it in front of you in many cases, but it's not suggesting, it's not suggesting redemption in, in the way that My Hero is trying to suggest redemption it for, um, for, uh, what's his face? The flame hero, the, um, the number two guy, I forget, I forget his name, um, Todoroki's dad is what I'll say. Um, Endeavor. It trying to suggest um, redemption for Endeavor. It's not doing the same with its villain characters. One of my favorite episodes of My Hero is the villain. It's a villain lead-in episode. It's a villain OVA episode that focuses on twice, and it shows how kind of fucked up he is. And how fucked up his life is. In the most, in the um, episode that aired um, this, literally the Saturday after, before this came out, literally the day I'm recording this actually, because I'm recording this that, that Saturday night, um, we get some looks at, back at Himiko Toga's past. And you start to get the understanding of. Like, no one chooses their quirk in this world. They're in, in the world of My Hero. They're born with those quirks. And they even make a point of this with the hero himself, Deku. Uh, with um, Midoriya, because he is born without a quirk originally. And that's a thing that can happen. And But Himiko was born with the ability to turn... Into transform into people and be able to use their quirks apparently with by drinking their blood. That is so specific and so coded and so evil that it would take a lot, a lot, to just allow somebody with that kind of power, with that kind of like quote unquote mutant ability, to be a superhero. And, and kind of, even in American comics, shapeshifters are oftentimes seen as bad guys, or at the very least, assholes. If you looked at um, Mystique in X-Men, she is like an evil assassin. They soften her up in the first class series of movies by Fox, but not much, ultimately. If you look at Morph from the original X-Men cartoon or even X-Men lore... He's like this practical jokester jerk who the only person who's friends with him is Wolverine. 
And so, uh, just like, just being a shapeshifter is inherently untrustworthy for obvious reasons, but it codes your care, it codes a person as being not worthy of being trusted. And then you give that shapeshifter the requirement of also being more than a little vampiric. And it's also suggested more than a little subtly that it's a romantic slash sexual thing for Himiko Toga. The way she expresses the way she expresses love is by drinking people's blood. In the same way that like vampire fiction has hinted at that before. It has a vaguely at the very least a vaguely sexual nature to it. And you ball all that up and like there's no way that kid was gonna make it to be like a great person. And also you you write all of all of society into being like a piece of shit to her for a long time and you wonder why she's just like her mental state snapped in half at some point. And between that and the reveal around twice and how just damaged he is as a person, it feels like lots of the criticism of the League of Villains of society are right and this show is just trying to paper over them so far. And it, and also the, um, uh, Shigaraki himself as a character is an incredibly flawed character who fell through the cracks of this world and uh, by and large the fandom probably does understand this, but at the end of the day, the My Hero fandom, because of the broadness of it, just isn't that interested in interrogating that or demanding that's interrogated. I'm not saying everything needs to interrogate itself the way, say, Ava constantly does. or the way, I'm not saying shows need to do what End of Ava did to, it, to the Ava fans at the time and say, hey, you should be ashamed of the way you've treated this franchise. But I am saying that it's... We live in a different time than the time of Dragon Ball Z when Goku was not thought of necessarily as a terrible father at the moment. Later, maybe five seconds after it was done, everyone was like, ah, Goku was a piece of shit. And probably while it was airing, the people came to the realization he was a piece of shit. But it was... It, making the same mistake in a more in-depth, unique, interesting way does not make it a better mistake, especially with my hero that has this tendency to deeply fetishize and sexualize its its female characters. It, it, uh, it's it's that shows part of it is that shows style choices, but also part of that shows part of it is that shows camera and its costuming and lots of stuff. But these. These problems are, are interesting problems for Shonen to be having, like the, the seasonal problems for shows that prefer that Death March style will be interesting things to have to deal with um, eventually because people will, 
start to write shows in ways where it doesn't cut cleanly. It'll be really interesting to see the lead in on the new season of Demon Slayer because it seems like it did a it used instead of a instead of a twenty minute episode on each end, it used a big movie in the middle to compensate for you've been away for a while. It no if that show will know that you saw that movie, so to speak. At, well, not even so to speak. Actually, like that m- movie was a core arc of the show. So it could that could turn into the first example of they reserve arcs for movies. And they make show arc, movie arc, show arc, movie arc. Although um, in terms of shonen um, timelines, um, Demon Slayer is actually pretty short. It's certainly no Naruto or even Boruto or Bleach, God forbid. Um, but the those two problems are big, are, are huge issues. The kind of I'm not going to say unwillingness yet, although give it a couple more freaking seasons of just ignoring the fact that these these that many characters in the League of Villains were not just were not just born that way. They were produced by the world around them. And the show kind of trying to ignore the fact that they are that this world essentially validates people based on genetic traits they can't control. God damn it. Um, and it, it, it's gonna feel weird. It's gonna, it will feel weird when, it will feel weird when Endeavor gets the pass for being just a piece of shit of a person and an even bigger piece of shit as a father. But a 17 year old girl whose parents treated her like a monster and like was uh, at, at no point did they even try was anything showed about them even trying to correct for like hey hey we, we took you to the doctor we know what your quirk is we know why you're drinking blood it uh, we don't know if it's necessary but we will we will get you packaged from the from the um, from the hospital, from the local hospital, we I'm sure we can do that for you. This is weird, but like Gary down the street has a horn for an eye. It's not that weird. You're good, buddy. And the other thing about this, and so I reread. I read. I had never read the first chapter of Interview with Monster Girls, of interview of interviews with um, Monster Girls. But they have this whole conversation about, like, vampires living in the real world and, like, getting donations of blood, getting once monthly donations of, like, blood bags from the government. (laughs) And, like, they have this whole moment where she's like, I'm not strong enough to not live off of blood from the government. (laughs) Those people are like vegans. I'm a filthy meat eater and I suck. I know that's the way lots of people feel about vegetarians and vegans. Is like they're kind of amazing because they can do that. 
It was a really good analogy in that comic book. I read that on IDKey. But um, it's stunning to me that this that this show, which I, has ready ready acceptance of just the weirdest looking motherfuckers, just this what people can do the wildest shit, is still carving out this exception for. And admittedly, I know that the writer did do this, so like he could have some bad guys with some bad guy powers, but like. You can't tell me that this super accepting world wouldn't try, wouldn't at the very least try to have accepted these people. Wouldn't at the very least taken somebody like twice and just like been like giving him a straight jacket and been like, hey man, you should wear this. It'll make you feel, it'll make you feel together again. And maybe it could have been averted. From him basically being a villain, because the only place that would a make him a costume that makes him feel like a whole person, and b make him feel wanted and accepted. And I think that I'm not trying to say everything needs to be the paragon of awesomeness, or like you know fan service needs to be wrung from the world, but we need to start having more complex conversations about these shonen settings because it it's really necessary or it won't go away and the last the, so the last thing i want to do here is i want to talk about um what i think is a great example of both ways of handling this and i want to talk about jujutsu kaisen jujutsu kaisen is really unique because it deals with essentially witchcraft, like witchcraft or shit, and it, it, it witchcraft and cursed, like cursed energy, blah, 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 the Jujutsu Kaisen stuff. But what it does ultimately is it makes sure that each, like the bad guys, you know that the bad guys stand for stuff, and you know the like the stuff the bad guys stand for in most cases makes some kind of sense. Even um, the like contortionist bad guy who could like alter parts of his body had this like core that made sense to you as a normal person. And yes, he was an evil piece of shit, but you understood why, and or you understood that like renegade forest spirit guys, you understood his deal, and you appreciated his deal, and it was this moment of extreme in that in his ideal that you were like, but no, you can't kill all the humans and just revert the earth back to its original form. That would necessitate all of us dying. That's not cool. And by, and everybody seems to um, be anticipating that um, the, um, that Sakuna is going to be the ultimate bad guy and that it may break that way. But it could also be the, like, thing of, like, Sakuna as a character just doesn't do what everyone wants him to do. He does kind of his own thing. And I think the thing that we're all probably not expecting to come up is Sakuna perceived as a bad person, but he really essentially a scientist. And actually, thinking about it, one of the great perpetrators of like 
some serious fucked up people doing some serious good is actually Doctor Stone. You look at the you look at a lot of the main at a lot of the main characters of Doctor Stone, and they are not good people. You know, uh, Senku is a maniacal psychopath. Um, the the uh, mentalist guy is a total garbage person. <laughs> and you leave them alone for long enough, and they'll come up with the worst way to do a good thing. <laughs> and cause the most chaos in the process. And, but that's how real people are. I think that in the way that superhero stories had to, that superhero stories and comic books had to get necessarily more murky and more complex when they went over to film, especially in the 21st century, because things like things like the like the big blue boy scout just don't make sense in the world if you don't show the other side of the coin of that. Shonen needs to let go a little bit of like there is true good and there is true evil. That was one of the things, that's one of the things that um, Princess Mononoke actually is really well known for, and I'll leave it here. Um, but Princess Mononoke is really, is really well known for Lady Eboshi. And Lady Eboshi is this like monstrous woman who ha who is like hunting down this forest spirit, trying to cut off its head to give to the emperor for a mountain of gold. But the thing that, and Miyazaki paints her like a villain, as well he should. She's trying to kill a god that would kill the, that would kill nature. That's super bad. But the thing that he did, the thing that takes her out of the realm of being like unforgivable, that takes her out of the realm of being an unforgivable shitball, is her fatal flaw is that she, she cares for all these people that no one at the time was caring for. The people who make her guns are lepers. Who are like fucking terrifying to lots of people. Lots of people still won't go near people with leprosy. And the other and the people who run the village, the people who run Iron Town are all women from brothels from the surrounding cities and surrounding empires that she brought that she bought the deed of as soon as she could so she has basically created this society that relies on her to be the person to generate wealth and ways for them to keep going and so of course if she sees if she sees the thing for that that the emperor will offer a mountain of gold to whoever brings him eternal life she's gonna say i i don't know that it's, that he's gonna get eternal life but i'll bring him the next thing that he asked for because i want that mountain of gold and that's an important aspect of that movie because at the end of that movie when she realized that she stepped too far you can still forgive her because there were motivations to her stepping too far and the motivations were a self-imposed and self-generated but b were something that people would want 
and it takes her out of the realm of being truly evil and spiteful and more puts her more in the realm of just trying to do what she needed to do to get to what she wanted the situation to be. And I, I feel like at some point they're going to have to have this turnaround for a League of Villain character. And I sincerely hope it's Toga, but I'm not sure it will be. Because what they did with Toga's story and what they did with Twice's story at this point, and it's interesting that both of those characters are linked, it, they basically set them up for you to have feelings for them uh, more than you already did because they're very fa- they're really fan favorite characters. Himiko Toga is like one of the best Yandere's since what's their face from um, Future Diary, and Twice is like a freaking beautiful fucked up version, even more fucked up version of Deadpool, and it's kind of gold. They're both kind of gold in terms of characters. And it, my hero academia is character design is always just chef kiss, just mwah, delectable. And so, of course, those characters are popular. A lot of the characters, many of the characters have their own fan bases in my hero. But the. I really wish it didn't feel like they told you those stories to get you attached to them, for them to be bad guys constantly. If you're going to have the conversation about Endeavor, and you're going to try and redeem Endeavor, which I would argue you sh- you should have a cautionary tale about heroes being jerks to there that is complete and like unforgiving. And it may still be that. And that may still be that. But, um... And also about um, parental abuse of children... Um, but you should have the conversation about, like, no, Toga's not a bad person. She's just been fucked. Like, so, her life has been so fucked because she happened to be born with the wrong quirk that she just, like, there was no way society was going to forgive like, oh, that little girl turns into people when she drinks their blood. That's bad. Like, we can't let that run loose. So, somebody in her life had to have been. Like, had to have been if there wasn't anybody. Shame on everyone in her life. Hey, no, Toga's still a person. Like, we can... Like, I'll donate blood and she can turn into me all day. And we can, like, just, like pass around a checklist and be like, do you want Toga to like take a test for you? Here, give her blood, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, that stuff has to be looked at more with m- more prying eyes because if they don't stick the land, but if My Hero Academia and these shows don't stick the landing on this really complex nature versus nurture stuff, it's going to start to feel the way Batman feels a lot of times. If you don't know about the theory about Batman, the theory about Batman is basically that, like, he is just running around a city beating up the mentally ill at all times. 
Just at all times. Every night. Just like, and like sending them to a subpar treatment center that doesn't have the capacity because it keeps sending them wackadoos. And that's really offensive. I apologize. And so they keep let, they keep letting them escape and letting them out. He is basically using the prison system as a psychi as a psychiatry ward, which is a thing that happens in real life, and the prison system is fucking it up. And on that note, um, thank you for listening. If you like this episode, new episodes come out every Thursday and Sunday. And if you have an interest in watching these episodes in video form, I'm waving in video form now. You can go check out um, you can go check out YouTube. I think due to technical issues that I experienced with the last Thursday episode, I'm gonna start uploading these maybe the day after the um, the the audio version go comes out, only because the audio version is just easier to upload. It just less points of failure so to speak but you can go over to the um lunchbox publishing the, the lunchbox the um i think it's called lunchbox tv it might be called lunchbox publishing um youtube channel and check um me out in video form where hopefully i'll get my shit together and start doing proper anatuber style slideshows for this shit um but that's where you'll find the video episodes and new episodes come out every Thursday and Sunday and Thursday is more of a review show. The next review show I'm going to be talking about Darwin's Game, which is a whole lot more interesting than uh, that old show sounds, I promise. And um, Sunday episodes are like this, they're metatextual, they're fandom things I've thought about, you know, writing animation things I've thought about, industry things I've thought about. Every once in a blue moon, I'll get an interview. <laughs> um, but until next Thursday, I have been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio, Sunday edition. And I will see you, slash talk to you, on Thursday.